be seated. Uh, it's good to see everybody this morning. Uh, my name is Michael. I'm the pastor here, in case you didn't know. Uh, if you're here in person and or if you're joining us online, um, then we're excited you're here as well. And so <clears throat> we've been uh, in this series. This is our second week in the series entitled The War. Now, there's a lot of wars. There's a lot of things that have gone on. Um, in the past, conflicts between countries, between peoples. Uh, but I really believe that this war, the spiritual one, is far more important than all of the wars uh, throughout all of time that have been put together, if you would do that. And so <clears throat> today, if you have your Bible, uh, we'll be in the book of Psalms, chapter 119. And we'll also be taking a look at Ephesians chapter 6, just a part of verse 14. And in this series, we're going to be looking at the armor of God, uh, the armor of God that He gives us, that his, is His armor that He gives us to protect us. And last week, we looked at the helmet of salvation. Now, this week, we're going to be looking at the breastplate of righteousness. And I have some things to show you again this week. So um, if you saw the table over there uh, several months ago, we, I had something where I smashed some things. That's not happening. Okay, so you got excited. I'm sorry. <laughs> just, uh, just some things to show you uh, today. I hope to share something with you each week, um, just to kind of help solidify this in our minds, this idea why we have it. <clears throat> and so the phrase I want you to remember with this, the heart, the breastplate of righteousness, uh, I want us to remember sayings of the heart. Um, and there are a lot, aren't there? Uh, I want to just read a few for you, and then I want to compare and contrast that with Psalm 119 and the sayings of the heart that are God's sayings of the heart, because they're a little bit different, okay? <clears throat> so, uh, just to name a few, have you ever heard from the bottom of my heart, right? So that's a saying of the heart. We probably at one time or another have said that. Um, let's see. That's another good one. Well, what about to follow your heart? So, now uh, sometimes our heart leads us in a particular way, not be, it may not be in God's way, but uh, that's a saying of the heart. What about to have a change of heart? Anybody had a change of heart before? Yeah, that's another saying, at least that our culture uses. What about to lose heart? Has anybody ever lost heart before? Felt like, oh man, I just can't do this anymore, right? We probably at times felt like that. What about to tug on someone's heartstrings, right? We've heard that. Maybe you've used it before. What about to wear your heart on your sleeve? Anybody have a hard time hiding their emotions, right, their feelings? Um, that would be that person. So you wear your emotions on your sleeve. Uh, what about this one, with a heavy heart? We've all experienced things with a heavy heart before. Well, these are sayings that really have been used throughout time, throughout history. But what I want to do is share some of the sayings of the heart, the ones that David gave to us. And it's interesting because we spent six months in the Psalms. So I know maybe when some of you got the, the sheet this morning, you're like, oh, we're going back. Um, don't worry, it'll be good. This is Psalm 119. David kind of writes a, a summary of um, uh, sayings and experiences of the heart, the way that he views God and how we need to view him in regards to our heart. And so we've been over the background many times before, but you know the book of Psalms was uh, written primarily by David, although there were a few other authors. 
And it was being put together while the people of God were coming back from exile uh, into the land. They were going to rebuild the temple and they were going to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And so it was a tumultuous time. But in the midst of all of this, Ezra, who compiles all the Psalms, he's getting together all the sacred writings, the Psalms of David, and he's making sure that they're going to be preserved for us to, write, us to read. And that's what we're looking at today. <clears throat> and so I love this Psalm. If you've read through the entirety of this Psalm, uh, maybe you haven't, but you should. It's a good one. Uh, it kind of gives us a picture of, it's almost like if you were to take like a journal uh, entry from David, you know, like every couple of years for his life, and, and that would really be Psalm 119, his experiences, how he walked with God, and just kind of some advice along the way of how we should live and walk. And so this first fill in the blank is going to be a whole heart, a whole heart. So the question is, how do we have this whole heart? Well, first verse says, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the way of the Lord. Now, when we think about this in the context of Ephesians and the armor of God, so last week we talked about the helmet of salvation, uh, and this week we're talking about the breastplate of righteousness. Now, we've all seen different like ways to protect ourselves, whatever you do for a living. I wanted to show you a couple of things, and I'm just going to uh, use one at a time. Um, this first one is, uh, it's actually a vest you might see of somebody who Wears a, who wears it while riding a motorcycle. So um, this is actually mine. Looks a little worn. Um, since moving here, uh, the things that I get on it have changed. Um, so when you're in Dallas, like riding down an eight-lane highway, um, it's not quite the same. When you get on the roads here, you drive out of Elba, you encounter a lot of bugs. You may not notice them in your car, but you do when you get off your motorcycle. So um, this is a vest that I wear typically when it's, you know, more hot, like that kind of thing. So I put this on. It's hard-plated, so it's really just to kind of protect me if I were to fall off the motorcycle. So some important areas, right? So like the breastplate of righteousness, sometimes we wear things like this, right? Now, we think those things are normal, right? So somebody who gets on a motorcycle, somebody who goes out to do something that might be a little bit dangerous would wear some sort of protection, right? Well, in the same way, God wants us to see things like our heart is important, right? We go out into the world, we experience things, and things impact our hearts, things pull on our hearts, and the important thing we want to remember is that, just like David, he viewed his heart in a particular way, that it was something valuable, that it was something important, that he needed to protect, just like Paul shares in Ephesians, this breastplate of righteousness. And so I like this word here at the beginning, the word blessed. In the Hebrew, it's the word asher, meaning happiness. And so as we've kind of gone through life, especially in the last couple of years, I feel like happiness has been kind of redefined or we thought there were some things that would make us happy and then we tried those and we tried them more and we tried them some more. Uh, Maybe you were like before COVID, you really liked Netflix and then, you know, after it, you were like, okay, I'm tired of sitting in front of a TV all the time. Uh, What I'm hearing a lot of is that we're getting out and doing things, right? Everybody's going out, going on vacation, having fun, spending time with family. That's a good thing, right? And so as we do that, we're, we're kind of trying to refigure out, like, what really makes us happy? Like, what, what do we really enjoy? Well, David said here, happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. And in Isaiah, the same, same word is used in Isaiah thirty eighteen. It says, therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. So happy are those who wait. Who likes waiting, by the way? 
Who likes, like, just like, I'm going to be super patient and wait. Yeah, it seems like it's gotten even worse lately, right? So I like being patient. So probably not many of us would say that. But here, <clears throat> Isaiah says, happy are those who wait for him. And I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you were talking about the, this, these different pr- protections that God gives us, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. And we read this, we go, oh, yeah, I mean, I do need to be patient. I need to wait on the Lord. I need to be happy in Him. But, but what's the key to this? It's really being content in the Lord. Happy are those who wait, who, whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. So how are we protecting ourselves right now? How are we viewing God? Are we really, are we really happy in Him? Are we really content in Him? Well, let's keep going. <clears throat> There's a quote I wanted to share with you from Thomas Aquinas. Uh, he wrote it in his Summa Theologica. He said, apart from being instructed by God, human beings do not know how to achieve happiness. Uh, have you ever thought about that? Now, it's obvious to, to us when we're out, when we're in the world, when we're interacting with people we know who are lost, who don't have a relationship with God through Jesus. And we go, yeah, they, they, I know, they keep trying to make themselves happy with the next thing, right? And it never seems to work. But where does our happiness come from? Where does our contentness come from? Where does our satisfaction in God come from? Well, it's simply this, David says it, to walk in the law of the Lord. We'll find happiness there. Happiness in our hearts too, right? Because it's different. Like we can just sort of pretend for a while, right? We can, we can go out, we can go to work, we can go to wherever else we're going. We can have those things that come along in life that sort of like, oh yeah, that makes me happier, that makes me joyful. But this happiness that David's talking about, it's a little bit deeper and it can be found in our hearts if we, if we live and walk a certain way. And in verse 2, we ask the question again, so how, does, how is our heart whole? Well, um, he says in verse 2, blessed, it's the same word there, happy are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. So this word for testimonies in the Hebrew, it's the word adah, meaning this witness or this account of God. So these things that we receive from God in the word, and this breastplate of righteousness, it's, it's, um, it's more than just like a, a piece of plastic, uh, that can protect us from getting scraped up or beat up, falling off of a, a bike or a motorcycle. It's so much more than that, isn't it? So it, it goes deep into our souls, our hearts. He says, who seek him with their whole heart, those who keep his testimonies. So how do we do this? Well, it's probably going to be a little bit more easy if we're spending time with God, right? Um, I was awoken this morning very early. It was three-something in the morning. And um, I thought, well, I'd like to go to sleep, but I can't. And so I just said, well, I'm going to take the time and I'm going to do something useful with it. So along with getting ready um, for Sunday morning, um, one of the things that I do is I just pray for you guys. And so um, almost everybody in the room, I know we have a few visitors. Um, I, I saw your name because I have everybody's name written down. I have things that I write down about you guys. And I just, I just prayed for you. So if I look a little tired, that may be why. Um, but I spent the time doing something useful. So how do we do this? We, we, we go to God and we, we seek Him with our whole heart, right? So instead of, of going, yeah, I've got some time or yeah, I know I could be doing this. Um, I'm, yeah, I know God wants me to pursue Him with my whole heart, but I've got some other things I need to do, right? And we all do, right? <laughs> Plenty of things in life that come along. It seems like we're more busy now than ever. But where do we need to go? We need to go and we need to remember his testimonies. It's interesting we forget things really easily, right? We forget who God is and how he's done things in our lives. We need to remember that. And in verse 3, we ask the question again, so how are we whole? How is our heart whole? And I always think about this in reference to like, you know, movies, right? There's a prevalent idea out there. I don't know when exactly it started, probably at the beginning of 
man's sinfulness, but uh, yet it's manifested in other ways. Uh, I remember the movie Jerry Maguire. Remember what Tom Cruise says? He looks at his love interest and he says, you complete me, right? Well, what's the problem with that? Now, we know God gives marriage to us, a husband and a wife together to enjoy that, but in the end, do we really complete each other? No, 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 not really, right? So, so God completes us, and we have to, we have to kind of understand that idea. As David's writing this, he's going, he's going, I've experienced everything. He's at the end, by the way, when he's writing Psalm 119. Uh, he's getting close. You know, he's about to hand the reins over to Solomon. He goes, what's important? What, what can I pull together from the things that I've learned over my life? And it's not that anything else in life, it's not that any other person in life, although God gives many blessings through that, it's that God completes. He gives us a whole heart, right? Right. So let's keep going. And in verse 3, it says, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways, right? Wow, to do no wrong. That's pretty difficult, isn't it? Did David make mistakes? Yeah, he did. He made some big ones, right? But in this, we're going to see that he's, he's going to continually go to God and he's going to say, I need your help. That's one of the things that the armor of God is there to help remind us, right? Uh, not just to go, I'm going to put on this special armor and then nothing can hurt me, right? That's not exactly what the text says. What the text says, what it points us to is this idea that as we think on these things, as we get up in the morning, we get ready and we're going, God, I need the helmet of salvation. I need you to protect my mind. There's so many things out there in the world that are, that are pulling on my mind. There's so many things out there that are pulling on my heart what direction do I want to be pulled on? Well, God, I want to be pulled your way. And David says this, so, uh, but walk in his way. So we want, to, we want to do no wrong. It's easy to say that, right? It's another thing to actually do it. <clears throat> so how do we have this whole heart? Well, we, we look to these precepts that God gives being kept diligently. Now, there's some effort on our part, right? So we can't just like wake up, go about our day and go, God, you know, help me along the way, right? Just uh, send up a quick prayer. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be there, right? No effort involved or hardly any, right? And so here's what it says in verse 4. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. So why, why do we think he says this? Why does David say this? You've commanded your precepts to be kept diligently, right? To actually have some effort, to actually work at it, right? So this doesn't just come easy, right? Godliness doesn't just, you just didn't wake up and, and be like, wow, God, thank you for making the most, me the most godly person in the world, right? Well, that doesn't happen. We've got to pursue God in order to see and experience godliness. I like what Charles Spurgeon said about this verse. He said, God is not truly sought by the cold researches of the brain. We must seek him with the heart. Love itself Love reveals itself to love. God manifests his heart to the heart of his people. It is in vain that we endeavor to comprehend him by reason. We must apprehend him by affection. So do we, do we truly love God, right? Now, it's one thing when you, when you look at your spouse, and Christy and I are coming up on a 10-year wedding anniversary, right, this week. So it's really cool for us. Some of you are going like, ah, it's been 25, you know, 30, 40, whatever. So, but for us, like, we're really excited about that, okay? Uh, looking forward to celebrating that. And, and I think about these things in the way that we've loved each other in the past, and even now, I go, there's really not a point where you can stop being diligent, right, about loving your spouse. There's not really a point where you can go like, all right, we reach 15, we reach 20, we're good. I think I'm going to stop being diligent, right? How's that going to go? Not good, right? It's not going to go well. And so we want to be excited about that love. In the same way, David's going, you've commanded us to love you, to love your precepts, to walk with you diligently. And I like this word in the uh, Hebrew, the word, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of hard to say, mehod, 
mechod, meaning uh, to use with force, might, uh, or abundance. So, so how, how are we supposed to pursue God? How are we supposed to pursue His, his precepts? Oh, uh, just kind of lightheartedly, like, yeah, we'll, we'll get it. Like, we'll understand the things of God. No, David knew it took a great deal of effort to follow God and to have his heart in line with God's heart. In fact, the scriptures, when, he, when they talk about David, they talk about this guy being after his own heart, God's own heart. Wouldn't that be a cool title, right? A man after God's own heart. So if we're going to talk to somebody who knew something about pursuing God and having a whole heart, it would be David, right? And so when he says these things, he's going, man, we really need to put forth a great effort. We need to be diligent in pursuing God. Well, the next fill in the blank is an upright heart, an upright heart. Can you have a laying down heart? I don't know. That's, that's kind of strange, the saying, but uh, we're going to talk about this upright heart starting in verse 5. Um, and this idea is just this, um, to be steadfast in keeping his statutes. So how do we have this upright heart? Well, we need to do that in a particular way. In verse 5, it says, Oh, that my ways may be steadfast, keeping your statutes. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast, keeping your statutes. So David, throughout this, he's, he's asking for help. He's saying, Oh, that my ways, the ways that I, the things that I do, the things that I say, the way that I live, would be steadfast, keeping to your statutes, that I might do that. Well, I'm going to show you another um, type of protection. It's a, it's a jacket. <clears throat> and um, as I, we've been having this conversation, uh, I've been uh, talking with our um, fire department, our chief. He's let me borrow some things. I can't take my own equipment that I use when I respond to things that are going on in the town. Uh, but I'll borrow some other stuff, some extra things that we have. So I wanted to show you this. Um, so this is one of our uh, firefighter jackets. Um, so uh, if you want to, it's, it's nice, it's new, so you can try it on if you want to afterwards and pretend you're a firefighter. Um, so this is uh, one of the firefighter jackets for Elba, for the town of Elba. The guys have used them a lot this week and um, so had some things going on. Uh, but you would think, and this protects you from some things, some people think, I can walk into fire and be fine wearing this gear. No, you can't, all right? You can walk into a very, very hot place. Stay away from fire, right, if you didn't know that, even with wearing a jacket like this. So uh, some people wear protection, like firefighters who go into a place that nobody else wants to go, right? Um, they really don't want to go into that place either, but if there's somebody who needs help and, or a fire needs to be put out, um, they're going to go there and they're going to do that, but they're going to put on protection first, right? Nobody goes in to a place where there's fire in a building and goes, I don't think I need any protection, right? I think that's going to go well. No, <laughs> nobody says that. We need to put on the right gear so we can go into this battle. And in the same way, I think we walk into um, every single day these spiritual battles that are going on, and, and sometimes we're just completely unaware to it, right? Like, we're like, oh, yeah, there's a fire. It's burning down the building next to me, but oh, okay, it's not a big deal, right? Sometimes that's how we look at the own, uh, our own lives and the spiritual things that are going on. Like, there are these fires that are raging, and we're just like, we don't even see them, right? Because we're not paying attention, right? We're not preparing for the day. We're not putting on that breastplate of righteousness going, God, protect my heart because I need it, right? I need that protection. It only comes from you. And so uh, in verse 5, again, it says, Oh, that my ways may be steadfast, keeping your statutes. And so to be steadfast, this word in the Hebrew, kun, uh, means to be firmly established. Uh, that might make sense. You see steadfast or to be firmly established. How do we do this? Well, to take a stand of some kind, right? <laughs> to, to get up, and I, and I hope maybe you do this in the morning, maybe you do it at night. Whenever you 
do your quiet time. We've got some tools and resources for that. If you don't have a quiet time book still, then I'd be glad to get you one of those. But we practice this by disciplines, right? Um, again, David didn't just get up in the morning and go, I think things are going to go well. I know God's on our team, so it'll, it'll, it'll work out. No, he was diligently pursuing God. And he says, oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. I want my ways to be steadfast. You want your ways to be steadfast? I, I hope so. It's easy to say yes, um, but then at the end of the day, we have to actually do some things to see that happen, right? We have to prepare. We have to, we have to put on that armor. We have to say, God, I, I want to be steadfast in your word, in your statutes. <clears throat> and then in verse 6, it says, Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commands. Having my eyes fixed on all your commands. So we probably don't get up too. Like when we're getting ready for this spiritual battle, we think that we are, but we're really not maybe. We don't get up and we, like, we read this verse and we go, then I shall not be put to shame. So David knows. He's like, there's some things, right, that we can do to stand fast, to be steadfast, to pursue God daily, to be diligent in seeking Him. And then he says, then I shall not be put to shame, right? So can the person who has no, does no preparation, who kind of walks into this battle, they've got no armor, they've got no way to defend themselves, are things going to go well for them? Are they going to be put to shame? Maybe. <laughs> well, David knows, I'm not going to be put to shame if this is the way that I'm living, if this is the way I'm pursuing God, right? And he says, having my eyes fixed on all your commands. All your commands? Whoa, right? That's not just like a few, right? <laughs> like some of us, we... We kind of feel like if I just get like some of those good verses down, like the ones that we put on the coffee mugs, not that that's a bad thing. Uh, we can be reminded by those things, right? Uh, and we all know we have them, and that's okay. They're good reminders. But at the end of the day, it, like what if we had this perspective? He says, having my eyes fixed on all your commands. Whoa, that's a lot of stuff, right? I know the students are they're going, ah, all those commands, that's, that's, that's big, right? Well, it is. How do we do that? We'll continually spending time in His Word, continually seeking Him. Um, I love the, the day and age that we live in because we have technology that lets us just like listen to God's Word. It's one of the things that I do primarily. I read the Word, but then too, just kind of as I'm going about my day, I'm like, I think I just need, I'm like, I'm driving over here. I just need to listen to this. Or I'm going to go do that thing. I'm going to go, I'm going to mow the lawn. Uh, I want to I listen to God's Word, right? And so we should be doing those things however we can. We want to be, be getting His Word into us on a regular basis and having our eyes fixed on his commands. So still, how do, we, how do we live upright? How do we have this upright heart where we learn his righteous rules? Because in verse 7, it says, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your right rules. So we're committed to God, right? Who he is. So we're not only, we're not only seeing these commands on a regular basis, we're not only being diligent to understand them, but here he says, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. Can we praise God better with this upright heart that knows God, right? Is it more difficult to praise God or be thankful for Him or give Him all the glory and all the honor if, if we don't know Him, right? That's difficult, right? If we don't understand who He is. And typically when we, when we seek Him diligently, when we have this upright heart, when we're looking at His righteous rules and going, God, thank you for these rules. Thank you for your word. Thank you for helping me understand how to live, how to walk, how to do life. Then what happens? Well... We're able to praise Him with this upright heart, right? 
have you ever just kind of had have like a difficult week, you know, and um, and you've just sort of like there's been a couple of days or even like you know a week or two weeks where you just said you know what I'm having a rough time I just I can't I don't have time to spend time with God, and then we walk into this place and we're like trying to worship and we're like I don't know what's going on I'm so frustrated right, well maybe as we as we remove those righteous rules as we don't seek Him diligently it's even more difficult to to what does it say to praise Him with an upright heart. Right? So how do we do that? Well, let's keep going. In verse 8, there's this commitment. Right? Uh, it says, I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. So this takes some commitment, right? And, and David's no stranger to this. He's not, he has not taken the easy road in life by any stretch of the imagination, right? He's encountered difficulty at pretty much every phase, um, opposition. He's handled it at every point, whether it be physical or spiritual. And he knows there's some key things you need to do. And he's kind of laid these out for us, but there, there's commitment that's involved. He says, I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. Do not utterly forsake me. And there's this request to, and it's kind of a command in the same way. I'm going to do this. I, I, I want to do this. So do we have this desire, right? As at the end of the day, I mean, if we, if we lay our heads on our pillows and we go, and I, I worked well, um, I had some good conversation with friends or family, um, but if we're not going back to God, you are my everything. Um, you, are, you are what fulfills me. You're what gives me this upright heart, and I, I want to commit to you. Maybe we just need to do that like daily as well. As we put on that armor, go, God, I want, I want to know you better. I want to follow you. I want to keep your statutes, is what David says. Do not utterly forsake me. So he's, he's got some desire, right? Now, same, same way, like with your, with your spouse, you're going, uh, I'd like to spend time with you. I'd like, to, I'd like to be with you. We continue to pursue each other. That's the, the goal that we should have. I want to know you better, right? And if we don't, it's difficult to have a good relationship, isn't it? It's the same way with God. I want to keep your statutes. I want to keep your word. Is that the desire of our heart? Because when we look at this in this war, in this spiritual war, and we are looking at this breastplate of righteousness, and it's there to protect our hearts, God gives it to us, and he says, here's what this is made up of. Here's what this breastplate of righteousness is made up of. And here's eventually what this comes to. It's the last fill in the blank, a pure heart, a pure heart. So how do we have this pure heart? We guard it with the word. What do you guard your hearts with? And it may be different. Uh, for each of you, what you do uh, for um, a living, where you go, the things that you're exposed to. But verse 9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. And maybe some of us have heard this verse before, but, but I've read it a lot. And I've kind of thought throughout my life as, as things change. Maybe I'm still a young man. I don't know. I don't feel like I did when I was 20. But when I look at this, I go, how can, I mean, how can anybody, right? How can anybody keep their heart Pure is how can a young man keep his way pure? That's what he says, by guarding it according to your word. He's trying to also give instruction to Solomon, to those who are going to come up after him. How do we, how do, we do this, this pure heart? By guarding it according to your word. Well, I want to show you a few other things in closing. So we looked at a motorcycle vest. You know, people wear things to protect themselves in different situations. If you're walking into a burning building, um, you should put on one of these, Okay. 
there's another one I want to show you. Uh, actually, a couple. I have a few here. Um, Greg brought this to me. We were having a conversation this week, and I was like, well, what do you wear, you know, when you're going and doing, doing different things? Um, so he brought me this uh, Tyvek suit. Maybe you guys have seen one of these before. You're like, yeah, they, you look really funny. You use them when you're, like, painting or doing different things. Um, you also use them when you don't want to get certain stuff on you, chemicals, whatever's going on with what Greg does with disposal of demolition and stuff like that. So we've probably all seen one of these, right? So we have varying levels of protection, whatever you're doing. Um, this is one of my favorites, and um, I had someone bring this today. Um, this is a bulletproof vest, right? Have you ever seen one of these or touched one of them? But um, there's a few different ones that they have. And so this one has a, basically a plate that you put inside of it, right? Um, I don't know if you've ever worn one of these or seen one of these, but typically it's for somebody who's really important, right? Uh, that they don't want to get hurt. We want to protect your internal organs, the things that are most important, including your heart. Or maybe you know somebody who's uh, served as a police officer and praise God for them. We should be even more supportive now. Uh, with everything going on, uh, but they'll wear one of these, right? Because typically, when you wear a uniform or anything that would point out that you are there to serve and protect, you might be more of a target nowadays, right? And so these are even more valuable, but for different professions, whatever it might be for different activities, uh, we put on different things, right, Um, to help protect ourselves for the setting uh, that we're in. And in the same way, when we, when we get up and we prepare for the day, and we're thinking about this armor, I hope that you are. Um, and as, I, as I've prepared for this, uh, I've really felt that spiritual attack. I've felt the heat because I think there are things that are here. I think there are things that we're going to talk about that Satan in particular does not want you to hear, right? And even at preparing for these things, uh, I've felt that, right? And we've all felt that at different times. Maybe we're uh, getting ready to share with a group of people, kind of like what I do on a regular basis, or you know, you're going to have a conversation with a family member or a friend, and you just feel like Satan's trying to get at you, right? Well, that happens. And typically, when we're trying to pursue him even more, we're going to see that. And so how do we protect ourselves? How should we do that? And, and, and I'm not saying it's going to be easy. In fact, I'm, I'm saying it might be even more difficult. Oh, wait a second. I thought when we did this, everything was going to be great. Well, what happens when we pursue God? We may understand and we may feel the heat of attack even greater, especially as we're aware of it. Uh, but, but how does this help us? Well, certainly the fact that we are aware is important. So this word here for pure in verse 9 uh, is zakah in the Hebrew, and it means to, to keep pure, to purify or cleanse yourself. So uh, this armor of God, this helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness that's made up of the Word of God. I mean, that's what David's been talking about. God, I'm going to keep your statutes. I want to keep your ways. I want to do what you want. How do I do that? Well, by staying close to you, to understanding what those things are. And <clears throat> maybe I can illustrate it this way. Uh, maybe you are out looking for some fresh water, and, and you come across somebody who says, oh, I'll give you some fresh water. I'm going to pull it from this river. Don't worry, it's got like some parasites and some things in it, uh, but I'm going to take some, some dirt. I'm going to filter it through this. It's going to come out here. Don't worry. Yeah, it looks dirty, but it's fine. Well, how often do we just take those kind of things spiritually, right? We think, oh, it's just fine. Yeah, that idea that I heard, I'm sure it's right. Well, how does it match up with God's Word? These ideas, these things that we're letting into our hearts, the things that we believe, are they, in, are they matching up with what God's Word says? Well, David's pretty serious about this, and he says, are you really going to, how are you going to live? Are you going to cleanse yourself? Are you going to, how can you keep your way pure? Well, by guarding it according to the Word. So everything that comes in, everything that we see, everything that we 
receive through our eyes, through our ears, through our experience. This breastplate, it's doing something else, right? It's helping us filter what's coming through. So when we think about water, right? You, You look at the water bottle, you go to the store, what does it usually say on the back of it? Well, things you want to look for for good purified water, like reverse osmosis, right? Uh, UV fil- you know, light filtering. You're going, I'm going to drink that. I'm not going to drink the water filtered by dirt or by sand or whatever it might be. We want the good water, right? So we want the truth, okay? Which seems far away from our culture, doesn't it? But yet we can have access to that. David says, he's going, I'm going to pursue God uh, wholeheartedly and I want to have this pure heart. Well, how can it be done? David has the answer, by guarding it according to the word. And then in verse 10, We've got to not wander, right? And here's what he says. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commands. And we've probably all known somebody, maybe it was us, that at you know, one point or another, we wandered away, right? We, we stopped being close to God. We stopped reading the word. We stopped pursuing God. And then we were like, what's going on? I don't have this whole heart. I see other people who do have a whole heart. God, I, I want that. I don't understand. Well, sometimes we wander, right? And sometimes other people do. Maybe you've had, uh, I don't know, a, a child or a close friend or another family member who you know was, was walking with the Lord, and they just started to wander. And how does that happen? And we just say, you know what? <clears throat> God, I know this word. You gave it to me. Man, it's, it's the key to life and everything else. But right now, it's just not that important, Right? And so we, we look at it and we, we wander away, right? Instead of going, God, I need to stay close to you. I need to stay close to you. And David knows because he's wandered a little bit. He's come back. In verse 11, it says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So how do we ha- keep this heart? How do we keep this pure heart? Well, we do what? We store up the word in our heart. That means we're constantly reading. We're constantly, we're trying to memorize it. Um, we're, we're going, God, I want this word to be inside of me so that when I encounter opposition, when I encounter the rest of the world, when I encounter ideas that are maybe not the ideas that you love, not the things that you do, I want to have this heart that immediately knows what the right thing is. This heart that's pure because it's got the word stored up in it. Um, I talked about the screw tape letters last week. Uh, so if you haven't read that book, um, check it out. Um, it's kind of an interesting read, not one that a lot of people read. Uh, it's, uh, it's this interaction that C.S. Lewis writes uh, between uh, different demonic characters. All right. Now, when you read it, just, just understand. Um, it, he writes it in a way to be a little bit funny, uh, but it's also meant to help us understand what are the realities, realities of potential spiritual warfare that's going on. And so here's a quote from it, <clears throat> just in regards to how spiritual forces, demonic forces in particular, may view humanity. It says, It's funny how mortals always picture us as putting things into their minds. In reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. Whoa. What if... What if you had an encounter with, with a, a demon? You just had a conversation, right? A casual conversation. And you, and you say, what, what is probably the most effective thing that you do in regards to keeping us away from God? C.S. Lewis writes this down because he's going, if we would just get the distraction and illusion and trying to keep us away from God is the primary means of Satan and demonic forces keeping us away from God, then maybe we would get that, oh, the best thing I can do 
is draw as close as I possibly can to God. And when I read this, David says this for a reason. Like, we just glance over this verse because we've heard it many times before. I have stored up your word in my heart. This is what David said he's done, already, by the way. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And C.S. Lewis tells us, hey, here's the other side of this. It's funny how mortals, how people always picture us as putting things into their minds. In reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. So you know what Satan's doing? He's, he's kind of kicked back in his easy chair, and um, he's going, I don't really have to do a whole lot if nobody picks up their Bible, right? I don't really have to do a lot if nobody sits there and goes, God, I need your help each day. That's when he's like, oh no, what are we going to do? They start reading their Bible again. Oh. But if nobody does that, right? If there's this distraction, if there's this keeping things out of our minds easily, what, what is the work, right? But we want to be like David and to have this pure heart. If we want to have this whole heart, this upright heart, this heart that's filled, this heart that can stand upright when opposition comes and this pure heart that when there's temptation, when there's difficulty, we're able to go, no, I got this pure heart because I've been storing up the word inside of it and it allows me to stay that way. And so I want to I close with this because there's a lot of sayings of the heart, right? There's a lot of things that we hear in culture. There's a lot of things that people say to us. But, but how do we really view God in the right way? How do we view this, this breastplate of righteousness in Ephesians that Paul talks about? Not just the helmet, but the breastplate. When we, when we see that, when we read it and we hear it, we know that we, we want to have this whole heart. We want to have this upright heart. And we want to have a pure heart. It's, it's not easy, is it? Right? This is difficult. What David's saying, he's not like, he, he's not saying it's going to be easy. He's actually indicating it's going to be really difficult because following God, seeking Him wholeheartedly, being able to stand upright and have this pure heart takes daily devotion, commitment, diligence is what he says. So are we willing to do this? I think if we are, then as we go through this series, we'll go, oh yeah, that makes sense. Oh yeah, that makes sense. It'll be harder if we go, it's not that important. I know God shared the armor with us for a reason. I know he gave it to us, his own armor. But why does he give it to us? Well, to help us in this way, and specifically with the breastplate of righteousness, like with all these other things, that if you're going into a different, a different situation, if you're going into a, uh, a scary situation or one that would be difficult, you'd probably want to put something on to help you, right? So in the same way, I mean, let's do that, right? In the spiritual way, when we, when we get up and we're preparing for the day, God, help me, because I can't do it on my own. And David knew that eh, every day, just constantly, as he recounts for Psalm 119, that's what he tells us to have this whole heart, this upright heart, this pure heart is being dedicated to God daily, focusing on what he has for us. And I want to read one passage in Ezekiel, it's in Ezekiel chapter 36, because it's what God's done for us. For those of us who have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, he's done something special for us. And Ezekiel talked about it a long way before Jesus came because he was showing what was going to take place. So in chapter 36 of Ezekiel, Verse 25 through 27, it says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. You shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So this is what God has done for us, right? Do we, do we take for granted this new heart that we've been given? If we've 
put our faith and trust in Jesus, he, he goes, let me take that wicked heart of stone and let me give you a heart of flesh, a heart filled with the Spirit. Or do we just go, when we get up each day, oh, yeah, thank you for that heart of the Spirit, heart of flesh. Thank you that I don't have this heart of stone anymore and I'm going to kind of go and do what I want, right? That's not really how it works. This heart of flesh, this heart of the Spirit that God gives to us, we need to be nurturing it, right? We need to be pursuing God daily. We need to be reminding ourselves of who God is to have this whole heart, this upright heart, and this pure heart. In closing, I read this story. I was looking up a lot of things about hearts, right? Um, so as you can imagine, like surgeries and transplants and that kind of different stuff when things happen. Well, there's this young girl uh, whose name was Abby at the age of 12. Um, was having a lot of problems. Uh, they did some testing and realized out of nowhere that her heart had, had gone down to about 13% functioning. I don't know if you know anybody that has a heart that's only functioning at 13%, but a 12-year-old shouldn't, right? They should be able to run around and have fun and, and not have that issue. But she did, and they were, they, you know, of course, got on the donor list, and that one, it's a long list, right, for any kind of organ that you might need. And as she's waiting for an organ, she's, she's not too far from the end. Um, there's this young boy who is with his family and gets in a car accident, and this boy passes away. And so the mom and dad who survived this accident Say, well, we want to we want to do something good with something bad that happened, and so they they do, donate this boy's organs, uh, and this little girl ends up receiving this heart, and after a few surgeries put back together, um, is experiencing life normally, is experiencing life a whole lot better than what she was. But can you imagine, like when you before you knew Jesus, and as Ezekiel talks about, it, as David talks about, it, as this armor that we have given to us by God, how much more Let's say your heart stops working or it's about to stop working and God gives you this new heart, right? A heart that wasn't really functioning. It wasn't really pursuing after God. We're given this great gift. How much more would you want to protect it? A second heart that was given to you. Maybe, like this girl, I can only imagine uh, how she felt about a a new lease on life, a new heart. Um, I can only imagine how much she would want to protect that new heart that she was given. And I hope that as we, we read these things, as we think about these things, this isn't just a series of do's and don'ts for us, right? But it's a way for us to really view God in a special way, that he, he cares for us so much that He wants us to continue to grow, to be close to Him, and through this helmet of salvation, through this breastplate of righteousness, to protect our hearts, to be surrounded in the Word, to be growing in it, to hide that Word in our hearts we're also given other pieces that we'll talk about. In a couple of weeks, we'll talk about the, the belt of truth, right? In a, in a culture of confusion, we need the belt of truth, don't we? We need the sandals of peace. Who needs peace right now? The world needs peace, doesn't it, right? We know that doesn't come fully until Jesus comes back, but yet there's so much, there's so many things going on. People being pulled in different directions. We need that. We need the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we need the shield of faith. For what? Well, to extinguish all those flaming arrows of the evil one, right? that he's constantly throwing at us, isn't he? And so we need that. We need to be relying on God daily for these things. And so what I want to do before we close, maybe you're listening online, uh, maybe you're here, and you're just like, I've never heard of this before, (laughs) armor of God. uh, What is that? I need to protect my heart. God gives us a new heart. Well, how does he do that? Well, he does it like this. If we would admit that we're sinners, every single one of us have have. Have made a mistake, have made a mistake maybe even today before you got to church. So we need God's help, right? We're sinners. We're all in need of His grace. Well, the second thing we need to do is believe that Jesus is God's Son, that He sent Him, like Ezekiel said, to go and live the sinless life, to die on the cross, to be raised from the dead, so that we could have a new lease on life, so that we could have this 
new heart that, by the way, he says he takes out this stony heart and he gives us this fleshly spirit heart to us. And the last thing we need to do is just confess that Jesus is the Lord of our lives, that he can change everything for us. And so if that's you, maybe you're online, uh, reach out to us afterwards. And maybe you're here in person. I'd be glad to talk to you as we close. So let me pray for us. And we've got one other thing um, that we need to do. Okay, let's pray. Uh, Father, we uh, come to you this morning. We uh, thank you um, for this understanding of how to pursue you, God. You didn't just, you didn't just give us salvation and say, figure it out. Uh, you gave us salvation. You gave us this new heart that's protected by this armor, by this breastplate of righteousness. Um, God, we, like David, we want to have a whole heart. We want to have a heart that's filled up, not with the world, not with another person, not with anything else that we can accumulate, God, uh, but with you, with your presence, with your word that fills us up. We want to be able to stand upright um, in the difficulty of life. Uh, when it comes, we need to be able to stand against the opposition. God, we, we know you're the only you're the only person. You're the only uh, entity that can do that for us. We want to trust you in that. Um, God, I pray that daily we would look at this idea of having a pure heart. God, we make mistakes every day. You know that. I do. Everybody in the room does. Uh, but God, I pray that our, our pursuit would be to have this pure heart. How do we do it? God, well, you've told us. David experienced it, and he shared it with us. Um, God, that more than anything, we would want to have the word inside of our hearts, um, that we might be able to have the answer like Jesus did in the wilderness when he was tempted, and we might be able to pull it from our hearts and use it rightly to defend against the enemy. Uh, Let us never be so distracted um, that we can simply be unaware of our need for you. Uh, Make us uh, infinitely aware of it every single day, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, well, I love you, church. Uh, we've got uh, one more thing um, we want to do. I know we'll have a couple of our guys, our deacons, will be um, just passing something.